Amen. Thank you guys for leading us so well. Aren't we? Yes. Love that. It's taking us to the throne in worship. How are you guys doing? Welcome to spring. Spring is upon us. Right? It's why we moved to Florida, right? Last weekend we're in jackets, and this weekend it's uh, 85 and sunny. Well, I hope, uh, hope you're enjoying that. I'd like to see, uh, it's great to see a lot of our college students are back during the spring break season. We welcome all of them back. Some of them are on the stage with us this weekend, so we're excited that they're back and home and getting food and laundry done and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, also spring brings some, some of the most exciting times, even in sports. March Madness is upon us. How are we doing? Guys, guys feeling pretty good? Some brackets have been busted. Some hearts have been broken already. I don't know about you. This is, uh, this is how my Thursday started. My bracket was looking good on Thursday. Okay. And today looks more like this. So why did I even bother? My gosh. It's been a, it's been a wild, wild tournament so far. But that's spring, right? A lot of great things happen in spring. Baseball is back. Excited about that. The major leaguers, yeah. Wow. I love that. All right. More baseball. Um, got some of that figured out, and so we will have some. We will have a season. So I'm excited about that. I got to take in a great uh, uh, college baseball game Wednesday night between UCF and University of Miami. Went out there, watched that game. Great night. Our family was in town from. Uh, Tennessee, we took them out there, just had a great time uh, just watching that game. It reminded me of a time when I was coaching. I coached basketball and baseball, uh, and it reminded me of a time I was coaching one of my son's teams, and it was one of those May Saturday mornings in Florida. You know, like you walk out of your house, and like you, you already like need a shower before you even get in your car, and uh, one of those days, and it was hot. It's about 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and I'm coaching, and, uh, and when I step across the lines... I'm in coach mode. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's on. And uh, I don't care if it's T-ball or uh, uh, Division One. Like, it's, it's on. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm coaching. It was a hot day. And, uh, and so parents are sending Gatorade bottles and water bottles into the dugout uh, and trying to keep these guys hydrated. Bless their hearts. It was, they were dragging a little bit. So I come walking in. After the inning is over, I come walking into the dugout. And I say, all right, guys, hats and gloves. Let's go. Get to your position. And uh, so they start kind of heading that way. And, and as I'm walking in the dugout, I see all of a sudden this, I'm walking in this river of water crossed with all kinds of flavors of Gatorade. And I'm like, and before I can even get the words, what in the world has happened here? I suddenly realize it is raining Gatorade upon me. This was definitely not in my forecast when I walked out that day. And so... As all as this is coming to mind, I'm trying to figure out what is going on here, all right? And I look, and I, suddenly they see my reaction, and they're grabbing gloves and hats, and they're running to their positions now out of the dugout. But there's only one way out of the dugout. It's back here, and there's three guys left in the dugout. And I was like, hold on. I want to know what happened here. Like, somebody explain to me what, what is happening. And two of them grab their stuff real quick and immediately turn back and go, it was him. <laughs> That's always how it goes, right? And so, uh, and so I said, all right, you're staying here. You go in for him, and we're going to have a conversation. So we helped him clean it up and get all this uh, cleaned up or whatever. And um, I sat him down. I said, look, I just, I just got to know, what made you think that this behavior was okay? This is his response. He said, well, there was nobody here to tell me not to. I said, well, kid's got a point. <laughs> 
right? That's all I can do. Obedience. Obedience is a choice. And as we look at our text this morning in Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up. As we look at our text this morning in Luke chapter 5, as we continue our series, this journey to the cross, we see where Jesus is talking about obedience. He's talking and, and explaining the difference living out the difference of what it means to be religious and what it means to be invited into a relationship with him. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5 as we read this. It'll be on the screen. Would you stand as we read God's word this morning? Luke chapter 5, this first passage. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them, and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, who was Peter, and asked him to put out a little distance from the land. And he sat down and continued teaching the crowds from the boat. Now when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both of the boats to the point that they were sinking. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish they had taken. And likewise also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear from now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything, and they followed him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. As we look into this text and we think about what does this mean as it reflects upon our life. There's been a lot of books written about obedience. One in particular, Obedience is a Choice. As a parent, you've probably read a book or two. There's one or two books out there about parenting children, right? You've probably read some of these books and you're thinking like, oh, where's the chapter about my kid, right? And you're like throwing them left, throwing them right because th th this didn't work, right? And we tried this and it didn't work. Obedience is a choice. Now when we're talking about, you know, parenting, of course, obedience is a choice. Remember that time when, when our little ones got the freedom to begin walking, taking those first steps and running towards us and we're taking pictures and videos and we're posting them online and we're taking more pictures and videos and posting them online and we're posting and posting and our friends suddenly start calling us and say, are you guys still going to work? Like, what's happening over there? But with that freedom to run towards us also comes that freedom to walk away from us. Comes with that same thing. Obedience is a choice when we're pursuing religion. Obedience is a lifestyle when we're pursuing relationship. What I mean is if it's religion that I pursue, my obedience is a choice. If it's a relationship I've been invited to by, by God that I'm, I'm pursuing, my obedience is a lifestyle. We're going to put this, this graph up here. It's kind of a comparison chart between religion and relationship. As we walk through this passage today, I want us to see, for if it's religion, it means I have to. If we're pursuing that relationship, it means I want to. Now, I doubt that many of us would consider some of the minor decisions that we make in life to have a great impact in the long run, in the big picture of what will happen to us later down the road. Bigger decisions have a bigger impact. But we, a lot of things we do from day to day we don't really think about. Some of the bigger ones we do. For instance, you're thinking, hey, the interest rates are down. Maybe now's the time to, to buy that house. 
in theory, maybe not in 2022, but maybe you've been driving a car, the same car for 10 years, and you're like, I feel like I need to drive a new car. And so that impresses upon you to go get a new, a new car and start driving something new. By the way, is anyone, anyone in here driving a 20-year-old car, like you're still nursing it into this, this new decade? Anybody? My people. Yes, I see you. Awesome. My Jeep turns 20 years old this year. I'm excited. We're going to have a big party. I'll invite you. But don't say anything. It's a surprise. As we look at this text, Peter is faced with a, a decision that he thinks is minor. But it turns out to change the trajectory not only of Peter's life, but the life of the early church as we talked about in Acts chapter 2. For the outcome of his choice would determine his future. You see, Jesus had been preaching along the shore of, <clears throat> of this lake Gennesaret, so let's just stop right there. Peter is a details guy. Now, this may have been a point of argument at the local eatery there at the Sea of Galilee. But Peter, I mean, but Luke says in all of his details, he said, this is a lake. It is not a sea. It is a lake. Why? Well, it's a lake because that body of water is not connected to an ocean. And so it's, he calls it a lake. Everyone else calls it the Sea of Galilee. That's okay. But he's there, Jesus. And imagine that the crowd had now gathered around him. His back is, is kind of against the lake and he has no, no room, nowhere to go. The crowd had get, begun getting bigger because as we saw in chapter four, as we read that last week, Jesus has started to heal people who no one's ever been able to heal before. He starts healing sick people who no doctors, no medicine has ever been able to, to, to make a difference before. And so now people are interested. Now people are following him. Now people are listening to him and they're pressing in on him. They're wanting to see what is next. They're wanting to see what is he going to say. And by the time Luke reaches chapter five of Jesus' earthly ministry, he's kind of given a description of this. Jesus is here because Jesus came to talk about relationship, not religion. You see, these guys had heard about religion before. It had affected them. It had affected their families. They'd been governed by religion before. They weren't interested. But Jesus was here to talk about relationship. You see, religion chooses yes or no based on that decision's benefit to us. Relationship chooses yes or no based on that decision's benefit or glory to God. What do I mean? So my yes or my no depends on what will benefit me. In a relationship, my yes or no depends and tends on my benefit, the glory to give the glory to God. So we update this and we say that, that if I'm pursuing and I'm living under this banner of religion, what do we say? Say, I have to. I want to. Religion, it's all about me, me, me. In my relationship that I've been invited to, it's all about God. Religion says yes because of the awareness of an outcome. Relationship says yes because of the awareness of a need. My yes furthers my agenda under the banner of religion. Under the banner of relationship, my yes answers a need brought by God. So religion is about my Agenda, relationship, it's about God and his need, maybe filling your need. You know, when I was in seminary, I got the opportunity to, to study about a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer. He was a preacher, and I want to show you an excerpt that was taken from a, certain, a set of sermons that he did in, in the 1920s. This is what A.W. Tozer had to say about religion. He said, religion today is not transforming the people, it is being transformed by the people. It is not raising the moral level of society. It is descending to society's own level and congratulating itself that it has scored a victory because society is smiling, accepting its surrender. 
And I'm telling you, you could take that quote from 1920s and drop it right here in the middle of 2022. For our culture's definition of religion, our culture's definition of obedience is like night and day than what God has called us to. With his back against the water, Jesus needed some extra space. He wanted to increase his visibility. He wanted to increase his communication. So he asked Peter, can I use your boat? And here's Peter. Yeah, that's fine. Peter was mending the nets, as the Bible said. He was cleaning the nets. Basically what it means is is what he was doing, he he had been out the whole night before and not caught one fish. His net was full of nothing but debris. And so he's going through here piece by piece, picking out the debris. He's mending where the net has been torn, dragging across the bottom or dragging back and forth across the boat. I mean, this is on his to-do list. Why? Because he's been out all night. He's done. He's over. He's frustrated. He's ready to go home. And here's Jesus. Hey, can I use your boat? And Peter could have said, what? Yeah, sure, you can go ahead and use my boat. That's fine, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some stuff. I've got to finish this. Because I've got to finish doing this. I've got to clean these nets. I've got to repack them. I've got to re- reset the boat. Because I've got to go back out tonight because last night was so bad. And you've heard that phrase before, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work. Right? Some of us might agree with that unless fishing is your livelihood. And this was definitely Peter's livelihood. But that's his first step of obedience. He said yes to that. I want us to see three things in this passage about obedience. Number one is this. In my relationship with Christ, obedience is a process. It's not a gift. Salvation, salvation's a gift. God's unconditional love for us, that's a gift. What God did for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, as Paul talked about in Romans chapter 5, that is a gift. His unconditional grace, love that he bestows upon, that, that is the free gift. But uh, obedience is different. Obedience is a process. And he doesn't want us, want us to necessarily work towards it. Right? Because Ephesians 2.8.9 says, by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, so that I can't boast about it. But it's a what? It is a gift from God, our salvation and faith through Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to work to achieve it. What he wants it to be, guys, is he wants it to be our first nature. He wants us to, to worship him. He wants us to obey him because of who he is. Out of the relationship, not religious duty. The second thing I want us to see is in our relationship with Christ, Partial obedience is not obedience. Peter could have said yes. Peter could have said no. My dad had a saying from the time that I I can just remember. Can't remember him not saying this to me. He says, Rob, if you're going to do something, do it whole hog or not at all. Okay, dad. I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to do it because it sounds like it's going to be bad for me if I don't. All right. What he meant was, like, if you're going to put your foot out and do something, if you're going to step into something, do it with everything. Don't do it halfway. Like, if God is calling me into something, step into it. You know what? God's going to be faithful, and if you've made the wrong step, he's going to shut the door. He's going to close that window. You can just step back. But what's the heart posture as we step into what God has called us to, into that, that obedient step? Peter could have said yes, could have said no. But notice what else Jesus says. 
Jesus sits down on the boat now that they're out a little way from the shore so that everybody can see and hear and he starts teaching and he finishes teaching and then Jesus says, hey, now I want to go out into deeper water and, and not only are we going to go out into deeper water, we're going to catch fish. Peter's like, <laughs> that's funny because I just spent the whole night out there and I don't know what you know about fishing, but I'm telling you, like, there was no fish out there. We, we scored nothing last night. You can hear this, you know, at this point, Peter has been respectful, obligatory. He's been nice up to this point, but you can see in his answer, he's, he's starting to get a little like, okay, who does this guy think he is, right? And look at his response. He says, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say, and I will let down my nets. I want to stop right there and ask you this. What would have happened if Peter had said No. What would the outcome of his life been? What would that have meant for the early church? Remember that Peter was a seasoned fisherman. I mean, this wasn't like, you know, his side job. This was his job. He knew these waters like the back of his hand. He, he fished out of that region all of the time. So did the guys that were with him. And here's Jesus calling a shot going, you know what? We're going to go fishing out there and we're going to catch it. We're going to go in that spot right over there and we're going to catch something. Okay. Peter knew the components of, of, of a productive fishing business. But I want you to see how God orchestrates this miracle that's about to happen. He orchestrates it so that one person in the midst of all this can see specifically that this is for him. The night before Peter goes out, spends the entire night out fishing, catches not one fish, Jesus takes him out to a spot. And I, I don't know, that the word doesn't say this, but I can only imagine that Jesus probably took him to a spot that at least Peter spent at least an hour in trying to catch fish just to show Peter that this is different. And Peter starts to take notice. Peter starts to realize that this is not just a rabbi. This is not just some teacher, another guy promoting religion coming through. This guy's different. And so Peter says... Yes. He says, Jesus, you mean I, after all that I've just done to clean these nets, repack the boat and get it ready to go out tonight, I'm going to have to do that all over again just so we can go out here? Yes. I mean, I mean, Jesus is calling a shot here. It's like calling your home run, right? He's like, we're going to go out there and we're going to catch some fish. He didn't say we're going out for a good time, take some selfies and, and, uh, and have, just have a good time with the boys. No, he's going out specifically for this miracle. And that was the next step for Peter, and it was more difficult. I can imagine James and John sitting over there kind of doing their own thing, getting their boats ready. I can imagine them watching all this unfold. You see, they knew Peter really well. They knew Peter's personality. And, and as you and I have, have gone on and read the rest of the New Testament, and we know about Peter's personality, he was, a, he was an act first and think second kind of guy sometimes. James and John are over here think, thinking like, oh man, Peter is about to lose it. But that's our human response, right? Like we see something unfolding like that and we're like, going, oh yeah, let's pull up a chair. We're ready to watch this go down, right? I mean, they're ready to see him just implode. I mean, they were thinking themselves like, who is this young rabbi guy comes in here telling Peter how to fish in his own backyard? I mean, he's, he's the master. He's the ace. He's the CEO of the shoreline. This was his deal. He knew what he was doing. So I want to ask this question before we go any further. What would you have said if the master was asking you? 
knowing everything that's in front of you that you still had to do, knowing what just took place the night before, what would you have said? You may know how the story ends. And so you may say, well, Rob, I would just hoist my sails and we would be gone. We'd go straight out in that deep water. But would you? Is that how you respond to God when he calls you into obedience? When he says, take a step of obedience and do this, is that how you respond with immediate obedience? Somehow that's, that's what Peter did. You see, obedience looks different when we can't see the outcome. Obedience looks different when he's asking us to do something that personally costs us more than we think that we can afford. And the scripture doesn't tell us. Scripture doesn't tell us that Peter kind of scanned the shoreline and looked for help and advice and wisdom from his friends and his partners. It doesn't tell us that. But it does tell us this. Peter obeyed. And he got in that boat. And he raised his sail. And he turned his rudder out toward the deep water, not knowing what was about to happen. He obeyed. Man, so what motivated him to do this? Is that something I can experience in my life? Yes, I believe it is. But we have to trust God with everything, not pull out our calculator and calculate the risk of what is this going to cost me? What am I going to lose by this? It's a step of obedience that we step into ignoring the cost, not knowing what's on the other side of this call, of this obedience. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and eight says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Did you ever hear that phrase growing up from your parents? Don't be wise in your own eyes. This is where that comes from. I heard it around my house all the time. Hopefully my wife is talking to my kids, not me. He goes on to say this, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing, two things, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Man, this faith, this faith comes by hearing God's voice and responding in pure obedience. It's evidenced by the relationship, not religious duty. It's evidence to the relationship that we've been invited into, not behavior modification. So when God is calling us to step in, we step in. When God is calling us to take a step of, of obedience and we can't see what the result's going to be, we have to trust and obey. We have to. You see, religious obedience means saying yes because I can see what the result's going to be. I can see the nets full. Relational obedience means saying yes and not knowing what's about to happen. Not knowing what this is going to look like on the other side of this. Maybe the nets will be full, maybe they won't. But God's got this. In other words, as we update this, religion, under the religion banner, I, I'm operating out of a limited mindset. And under the relationship banner, I'm operating out of faith in Jesus. If you want to walk in step with him, we have to learn to be obedient. Man, do you, do you realize the miracle, the, the, the greatness of the miracle that just took place? Goes out all night, catches nothing, comes back the next day. The Bible says that they caught so much fish. All the nets were full. Peter's boat is sinking. Peter, the Bible says that Peter had to signal for his partners to come over with their boat. Their nets get, get filled up. Their boat starts sinking. And Peter's response is this, and it can only be one thing. This, is not, this guy's not normal. 
And this is the, this is the, the, the moment where, where humanity recognizes who God is. Where humanity stands and realizes its place before a holy God. And Peter says, Lord, you have to get away from me. I am a sinful man. That's where you and I stand. We are Peter in that boat. And we stand before a holy God as sinful people. But Jesus is in, in reaching down, inviting Peter into this relationship. And we see this difference between religion and relationship. And in the verses 9 and 10 go on to tell that, that, that guess what? They were amazed. Everybody's watching on the shoreline. All the guys that, that, that are partnering with Peter, all of, his, all of his associates, they're watching his response. And he gets on one knee and he says, you are Lord. He worships him. He sees that. Here's one truth that you can stake your life on. If Jesus asks you to do something, a specific step of obedience, you can guarantee there's going to be a blessing to follow. Now, that blessing may not look like I want it to. It may not look like, like something that lines up with my agenda. But there's going to be a blessing there. And we may not realize it because it doesn't look like we want it to or look like we think it was going to. But there's going to be a blessing there. Just questioning, doubting, calculating the risk. Man, that's not, that's not faith. None of that builds the faith that he wants us to display and, and, and execute in front, of, in front of the world. You've heard that phrase growing up, if, you have, if you're parents, first time obedience, first time obedience, right? Sometimes I wonder what God thinks about me. When time and time again, he's like, Rob, you need to do this, you need to do this. I'm like, I will, I will, I will. Man, God is looking for us to step into it immediately. Immediately drop those nets. Immediately step into that situation before we even know how it's going to turn out. What about your life? Are there things in your life that you're still holding on to because you can't see what the other side is going to hold? You're like, yes, Rob, I'll do that. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do that later. All I need first is I got to get this one piece of information and then I'm all in. Jesus, I'll follow you to this, to this far. But beyond that, I'm going to need to see what's on the other side of this before I go any further. Is that how we are? Man, God, I'm, I'm willing to give this up. You've called me to give this up. I'm willing to. I just kind of need to see what's on the other side. How's this going to end? How's this going to work out? Now think about Peter in this moment. Now listen, this doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. I am the chief of sinners. We experience God's grace through this. But I look back at the Old Testament and I look at the saints that have gone before us and their lives have testified and testified and testified the goodness of God. For it was Abraham who left his home at God's instruction, not knowing where he was gonna go. It was Moses that returned to Egypt as in his new role as deliverer, not knowing what that was going to look like. It was Esther who approached the king, not knowing if she was going to lose her life. It was Rahab that hid the spies so they could come view the promised land with no guarantee that she was not going to be, her life was not going to be taken from her. And here it's Peter who's saying, I will do as you say, Lord, and I will let down my nets. Discipleship requires obedience. Following Jesus requires obedience. Let's look at our update, our graphic here. Under the banner of relationship, we're invited into this. 
under the banner of relationship, we can expect good things. Why? Because we serve a good, good God. And he's going to take care of us. He's going to be faithful. We see his faithfulness throughout his word. Now, there are certain disciplines that you and I need to obey. And Peter did not know instantly that he was supposed to start obeying Jesus. It was a process. And as we have gone through and we've read the rest of, about Peter's life, we know this, right? We know that it was an up and down process for him. That's where grace comes in. That's where discipleship comes in. That's part of it. Fall down, people help us get up. We fall down, people help us get up. It's like, it's like a race. We're running this race together in obedience with what God has called us to, helping each other along the way. I think of this. God places these opportunities in life. What are we doing with them? Because if we're, if we're pulling out our calculator, that's, that's, not, that's not obedience. If we're looking at the algorithms of how this is going to turn out, that's not, that's not faith. And he goes on to say in verse 10, it says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. <laughs> That's easy for you to say, Jesus. Do not fear. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything, and they, they, look at the word they, they followed him. They left everything. Peter gave up what he knew was going to pay the bills at the end of the month and followed Jesus. Peter gave up the, the certainty of his future in order to follow Jesus. He stepped out when God said, drop everything, and he followed him. And you know what? The people on the shoreline, it probably confirmed to them and in their hearts that Jesus was who he said he was and who he had just taught them that he was. And to James and John, who are also over here watching how Peter was going to respond, they followed too, as Jesus called them. We don't know the impact that we have on people around us, and that's not on us. But we never know the impact when we step out in obedience, in, in obedience how that's going to bless and bring other people with us. Because a lot of times when we're faithful and obedient, guess what? We catch that blessing, the others that are around us, they get it too. This church has a deep history of faithful obedience. A couple months ago, I had the opportunity to, I was in the rink setting something up. And a gentleman came in with his kids. He said, hey, I just wanna, I just wanna look in here. I was like, yeah, come on in. Then he proceeds to tell me that his dad was one of the first pastors of Northland Church. It was during that era where they were moving from the school into the rink. And he was just sharing stories with me and reminiscing and showing his kids like, yeah, I used to ride my bike through here when mom and dad were setting up and <laughs> all these great stories. And in that moment, I realized this church has an incredible rich history of faithful obedience. Next week, our new lead pastor is coming. Next week's going to start the next chapter of faithful obedience for Northland Church. And I know there's going to be a lot of fanfare as we welcome him in and, and welcome his family in, that kind of thing, but I don't want you to miss this. I, I've been using this phrase around the office. It hadn't quite caught on yet, but it's going to. 
hashtag next 50. Hashtag next 50 because we're celebrating our 50th year this year. 50 years of faithful obedience by Northland Church. That's you, and I don't care if you've been here for five years or less, or you've been here for 35 years or, or, or longer. You're a part of it. And we're gonna start, the next chapter starts next week. And man, I'm so excited, I can't stand it. I just, I'm like, God, I just wanna be, I just wanna have a seat at the table to see what you're about to do at Northland Church. Amen. And we're, we're all a part of it. Before we get there, I don't want you to miss this. I, I want us to, to, to this morning, I want, us, I want you to join me in praying. Because one thing that's gonna have to happen, we're gonna have to have our hands out. Everything's on the table. This isn't my agenda. This isn't my ministry. God, this is yours. And whatever I thought it should look like, whatever someone else thought it should look like, all that goes away. Because in relationship, it's all about him, his agenda, and him working through us as a church to glorify him, to pray and walk with one another, and to reach out to this community. The next 50 starts next year. I can't wait. Someday, someone will be on the stage celebrating the 100 year anniversary, getting ready, coming up with their own hashtag, hashtag next 100. And the legacy for that starts now. So what you and I do is we roll up our sleeves and we get ready for what God is about to do here. That legacy starts with us, being faithful, being obedient. So would you join me this morning? You can come down here and pray at the front with me, or you can just, just sit at your chair, you can stand, you can kneel, whatever you wanna do. I want us to spend some time praying this morning that we would be a Holy Spirit-led, faithful, obedient church, and that God would have his way here. That God would have his way. Church has been through a lot, but through the years, faithful, obedient. Can't wait to see what's next, amen? So I invite you, let's pray. As Marsh plays and sings, let's pray together what God wants to do here.